Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Well, it didn't get long, take long to get to that Michigan-Ohio State dig, did it? Yeah. I thought, wonder where he's going with this. And then when he made that turn, that was awesome. <laughs> and I wouldn't try in this crowd to try and counter in any way. I'll just accept it in humility today. And thank you for welcoming this stranger from a foreign land. Well, it's great to have this time with you today. I love to dig into God's Word. I love to understand how he works through the lives of people. I'm particularly intrigued by times when there's been a movement of God and what was going on. Because I have this longing. I think my greatest joy is whenever God includes me in what he's up to. So it's not a matter of me initiating things and inviting God in to bless it, but joining the Holy Spirit in what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I'd love for our church, the Wesleyan Church, my greatest prayer when people ask for the Wesleyan Church, what, what's your greatest prayer? It's that we would be a movement of God. We were born that way. That's our roots all the way back. And that in this day, we would join God in a movement. So today, I'd love for you to dig into Scripture with me. If you do have a Bible with you on your phone or carrying the, my oh, hard copy, uh, the way I do it, you're, you're welcome to follow with me in the book of Acts. Several years ago, I wanted to choose some people in Scripture that I would um, use as role models in my life. And I wanted to choose one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. So I went to the Old Testament, and in one of those spiritual gifts questionnaires, you ever taken a spiritual gift questionnaire to figure out how God's kind of gifted you? Well, I took one, and the gift of prophecy came up. And I thought, this, you know, this questionnaire must be flawed. So I, I took another one. I ended up taking about five, and in all of them, the gift of prophecy came up. And I thought, wow. I, this thing is wrong because I can't even predict when I'm going to be home for dinner, let alone, you know, something that's going to happen in the future. And I, so I thought, I'm going to do a study of all the prophets in the Bible and say, which one am I like? And you know what? There's some weird prophets in the Bible. They did some crazy things, I just want to say. Uh, but I found myself most like the prophet Nathan, who was a confidant with David. And I thought, wow, God, do you want to use me in often personal conversations to have some prophetic encouragement in a person's life? And then I went to the New Testament and did some digging around again. And, you know, I kind of wanted to settle on one of the biggies, you know, the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter or someone like that. And once again, God led me to a person who shows up in Scripture on a number of occasions, but never as kind of the number one big presence. And his name is Barnabas. And so today, I want to explore with you, kind of follow in the footsteps of Barnabas. And if you do want to follow along in Scripture, and we'll have the Scriptures up on the screen as well, 
I want you to learn as I've learned from Barnabas about how all of us can be included in what it is God wants to do. So it's not just for amazing people, but we would maybe describe ourselves as more ordinary. It's an opportunity for us as ordinary people to be included in what he's doing and to be an encourager in the lives of others. And so Barnabas has become one of my role model. So the first time we see Barnabas is in Acts chapter 4, and the church isn't very old at that point. And uh, as they're fellowshipping in a, in a smaller group setting, uh, we, we first meet uh, Barnabas in chapter 4 and verse 34. And, and here's what we see. They're, the believers are together. They're sharing their possessions. They're blessing each other in uh, some have experienced loss, and so they're experiencing the generosity of others. And in that setting, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the money from uh, the sales, put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone as they had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. So we get introduced to someone who makes a particular impression upon the apostles as a son of encouragement, as an encourager. Have you ever noticed that there are people who are natural discouragers? You know, they're the people who cringed uh, that we just heard referred to a moment ago that you don't want to, I mean, you, you can be having a good day and you don't have to be with them long and it's ruined. It's just a gift that they freely share with others. Then there are some people who are some natural encouragers. They're just sunny people. It's their personality. They're positive. But this is more than that. Barnabas is a supernatural encourager. In other words, the Holy Spirit works through Barnabas in such an evident way that people know him for encouragement of others. That becomes his nickname. Any of you have nicknames when you were growing up? Can I, can I just see your hand? I won't ask you what your nickname was. You may not want to own it here. Uh, I didn't have too good a luck with nicknames myself. Um, we had a neighbor right next door. I used to be at her house a lot, and I thought she was the neighbor who liked me, but she identified me as Dumbo. And so that was my nickname from the neighbor who liked me, Dumbo. And now uh, you need to know it wasn't a reflection on my intelligence. Oh, it might have been that too, but there was a cartoon character by that name, and she thought my ears were rather outsized for my head. And so I was stuck with Dumbo. I was finally when I, great when I outgrew that name. But years later, as was mentioned, I served at Wesley Seminary for a while. And... I was known at the seminary, not for my academic prowess or any of those things. I was known for my sock selection. People were impressed that this guy, who seemed to be a little bit conservative by nature, had the wider-than-usual expressive sock collection. 
And uh, I think I got fairly mild ones on. Oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're not much today. So uh, yeah, I had my Coca-Cola socks on yesterday, but I thought I wouldn't wear them two days in a row. I, I just have this wider selection of socks. So in my time there, I became known as Dr. Socks. I don't think anyone knows my name at the university there. I just think, uh, oh, yeah, Dr. Sack. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about now. And that became, in this academic you know, institution, the way I was known. And so I didn't have particularly good luck with nicknames, but Barnabas had a good one. I'd like to get his one, encourager. He was known for being an encourager. Now... How did he earn that title? Well, part of the reason we know he was an encourager is verse 37 tells us that he was generous. I've noticed there's a connection between people who are encouragers and people who are generous. You don't find too many stingy encouragers. And you don't find too many people who are generous, truly generous, and negative. There's something about a spirit of generosity that invites an attitude of encouragement towards others. When someone lives with a scarcity mentality, it withers encouragement. When someone lives with a generosity mentality, it expands encouragement. And here we find Barnabas, first time he shows up, they're taking an offering. Ever have that? First time you show up, they take an offering. Happens to Barnabas, they're taking an offering. And he generously brings the money and he puts it at the apostles' feet. In other words, he doesn't control how it's going to be used. He says... This is mine. I've been blessed. I give it to you. Apostles, you determine. Kind of church, you determine how it can best be used to bless the broader movement. Here's what I've noticed, that some people, as they progress in their faith, never move beyond being takers to being givers. I want to be kind here. But this is a key in spiritual development. You can only go so far by just receiving. Now, if you're living in a time of brokenness, if you're new in your faith, absolutely, you're going to receive more than you can give at that point. That's the way it ought to be. But there comes a point, if you follow Jesus very long, that your growth doesn't come from receiving from others, but it starts to come from giving to others. It's not what you get out of the group. It's what you give to the group. And if you don't make that shift, you tend to have a lid and your spiritual life. We don't know a lot about Barnabas in his early life, but we do know he had matured to the place where he realized for his good and for the good of the movement, he needed to be that kind of encourager. 
He need to be blessing others. You know, I've tried to put it in my own life in this awakening way. Wayne, are you a net loss believer or a net gain believer? Are those around you better and gained because you're around, or have they been diminished in some way? Lord, help me to live a life so abundant and blessed in you that what overflows into the lives of others lifts them up. Now, we get to meet this guy on a number of occasions, and here's a critical transition that happens in Barnabas's life. He's known as an encourager, but the rest of his story is he is a multiplier. He's helping other believers find their place. And the dream I have is that we would follow the example of Barnabas. We would realize it's great to have a wonderful pastor. It's great to have a wonderful team. But if there's ever going to be a movement of God, it won't be a pastor or a team. It will be a people who help that to happen. What are the kind of things Barnabas does that we might learn from? I'm going to mention them fairly quickly, but it's worth digging in a little bit more deeply. First is that encouraging multipliers take risks. So if you go to chapter 9, if you skip later, if you're leafing through the pages or flipping through your Bible there, this is the chapter in which Saul becomes converted with this dramatic encounter. And um, after that conversion, the apostle Paul wants to join with the apostles, even though he's just this newer convert. And if you go to Acts chapter 9 and towards the end of that chapter, or kind of the middle, verse 26, it says this, when Paul, or Saul, still named, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he's really a disciple. So what's going on? Here's this guy who used to persecute him. Now he's converted. Now he's playing like he's a believer. Is he just trying to get, you know, infiltrate our group so he can bring down the people who are at the core of the movement? He's got a credibility issue. You know, sometimes new believers, and some of us who've been around a while, have a past to overcome. But what strikes me is Barnabas's role. But Barnabas, verse 27, took Saul, Paul, and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas comes and says, this Saul is the real deal. His life is Change. He risks his credibility to reinforce Saul's testimony. And the difference that made in the life of a new believer, and in turn, the anointing on this new believer's life to help the movement go forward. 
I've come to think of it this way myself. One of the things that strikes me about Barnabas is there's a difference between stewarding, stewarding credibility and seeking popularity. Some people who followed Jesus longer are more concerned about what do people think of me. Other people say, I just want to do my part in helping those newly in the faith find their place to make a difference for God and for his glory. Uh, there's so much I could learn from in this place, but let's move on to the second. Encouragers, multipliers live a sent life. Let's go a couple chapters later, chapter 11, verse 22. We once again reach Barnabas. The believers um, that were in Jerusalem heard about something pretty special going on in Antioch, and uh, when news reached them, what, what do they do as a result of that news reaching them? And it says this, verse 23, or verse 22, the first thing they did when they heard the news was they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Oh, God's doing something in Antioch. We're not sure what's going on. Who are we going to send? Barnabas. And it goes on to say, that when he arrived and saw, this is what an encourager sees. Whatever kind of chaos is going on, the encourager sees evidence of the grace of God. Boy, God's grace is at work here. And he they encourages them. He's glad. He's happy about it. He encourages them. There he goes again to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Because Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas, new church, new situation. Lots of wonderful diversity in this church. Different people, nationalities, different cultures all coming together. You can imagine them trying to figure out how does this happen with all of us in these different cultures and, and, and backgrounds. And, and now we're brought together and, and we come out of this movement that had practiced a lot of Judaism. How does this all fit together? And Barnabas shows up and says, I see the grace of God here. I see him working. You know, one of the hardest lessons for me to learn is whenever you have a movement, you often have a little bit of a mess. <laughs> Movements are messy. When people start coming to Jesus and when we try to figure out how it all fits together, and uh, that, I mean, it's the greatest thing in the world, but... Ah. Now, you can have a mess without a movement. I know a lot of people who have the gift of creating messes <laughs> had nothing to do with movements. But you can't have a movement without some mess. And do you see God's grace, God's hand? Look what God is doing in this place. Here's the next thing I noticed about his life, chapter 15. This is a tough one, and this is kind of the last one I want to highlight with you today. You know, when we first meet Barnabas, he introduces, he sponsors the Apostle Paul into 
the disciples, the apostles. May not have made it in without him. And then after that, it's Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul. Then that starts to switch a little bit. Sometimes it's Barnabas and Paul. Sometimes it's Paul and Barnabas. By the time you get to chapter 15, it's Paul and Barnabas. The switch has happened. Paul has gone past him in the eyes of the church. Confession time. I've often been a great encourager when people were starting out and growing in their faith. But when they outgrow me, there's a temptation at that point. And you know what? I found out it's not just me. That some people who are great encouragers do that all the way up to a person outgrows them maybe, gets used by God in a particularly noticeable way, and all of a sudden they become critics. We have no evidence that Barnabas ever became a critic of Paul. But they did have a disagreement in chapter 15 after there was a big church service and everybody felt like there was a great sense of unity. And then what's the first thing that happens right after that? A little bit of a mess because at the end of the service, they're going to go their own ways. And Paul says in verse 36 of chapter 15, uh, Paul said to Barnabas, because he's now the, the kind of the alpha male among the, the, the duo and, and a growing voice in the church. And he says, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and how they are doing. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, where we get the gospel of Mark. Uh, but uh, he, uh, so he wanted to take him along on that trip. And uh, Paul uh, did not think it was wise to take him because he deserted them previously. And they had a sharp disagreement. They parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas, and they left. And who gets the blessing? Paul with Silas. So here's Barnabas who says, yep, we took Mark along one time. He blew it. He failed. But I believe he deserves another chance. Let's take him with us again. Let's see how God works through him. Paul says, no, not going to do it. He had his chance. They part ways. Now we know later that Paul changes his mind about Mark. We know later he actually asks for him to come and spend some time with him and serve with him. Barnabas was actually right about Mark. But from this point on, Barnabas isn't mentioned. It's Paul. I think one of the most important things that believers can do is help a person who's failed recover. Because if you're going to get involved in ministry at some point... 
I'm not just talking about moral failure. That's serious and involves in a whole other process of restoration, absolutely. But sometimes someone's going to blow it serving the Lord. And what happens then can make all the difference in how God uses them in the future. So, let me end with this. My dad was an encourager. He was a builder. I worked with him from the time I was 12. I did not have the gift of contracting or construction. He was a craftsman. I was not. I got the uh, job of sweeping floors and pounding nails and doing work in places that people wouldn't see very often. That was what my gifts brought me. My dad was very gifted in those regards. From the time I was 12 to the time I was in college, I worked alongside him. I saw my dad, who was an encourager, influence the lives of so many people who would have never begun their spiritual journey as a first step by coming to a church. They needed to bump into someone in the everyday places of their life that would be an encourager to them. Folks, God has already placed you strategically in everyday places of life. He is bringing people across your path providentially that you might encourage them. And that encouragement involves moving their hearts toward a spiritual commitment to follow Christ, to serve God, to be all in. The baptism stories we're going to hear today, the people that lives represented, many of them I have no doubt, maybe all of them could point to at least one person or another. Maybe it was a pastor, but more often than not, it's someone they met in the everyday places of life. So here's my question. Who is your encourager? Hey, we all need it. Who do you look to to have them speak God's encouragement in your life? Eternal encouragement. And are you an encourager? Are you helping others take their place in God's kingdom, in his movement? Let's pray about that. Would you bow your heads with me, please? So, Lord, today, thank you for learning from your word and from a person who did not have the biggest place in your story. There was Peter, there was Paul, those are the big names, but you worked him through him as a come alongside of be a blessing person so that people would see your grace and respond to your call. There's a lot of those types of people right in this room. You have a place where they can be the transmitters of God's grace to people who need it. May you supernaturally enable them 
to be an encourager who makes a kingdom difference, I pray. In Jesus' name. And together we say, amen, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but there's something I find more encouraging than about anything, and that's seeing people be baptized. There's something about the newness and the expression of faith that really does bless our hearts. And we want to be a blessing and encouragement to them. So let's enter into this time of baptism. Pastor. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.